Good evening. Welcome to the Tech Diaries podcast. I'm your host Andre, and today I will be talking about DevOps. Why DevOps, do you ask? Well, I think it's probably one of the most misunderstood terms in software development right now. How many times has it happened to you specifically um, when you receive an email from the higher ups and says, we have to do DevOps, we want to build a DevOps culture, uh, we want to, you know, something related to DevOps. I think we've all seen those emails, especially in places that do not actually have anything like this already. So the first question that we ask is, okay, what does it mean? If you have never done it before, how are you supposed to know what you asked to do? And that's the biggest difficulty. What happens? Where do you start? What does it mean? So this is the whole point of the episode tonight. And let's start by describing DevOps. What does it mean? In my mind, DevOps has a few pillars which are very important. Uh, Automation is one of them. Uh, Speed, another one. Um, Breaking down silos, which is always a big one in any company, really. And finally, sharing what you learn. In a, a company these days, chances are you will have more than one development team. So this is where the the silos and the sharing comes into play. If one team starts doing things in a a good way and the results are obvious, other teams are going to become interested. They will want to learn how this happened so they can do something similar. And that's because we all want to improve the way we work. We want to improve our life. We want less less stress, less pressure. um, And we want to do less manual, well, anything. So, okay, so let's, let's say that an important part of um, of our work is to try and deliver more often. One of the issues that we have is that sometimes our delivery cycle can be quite slow from weeks to months. I mean, weeks is a good one. If you're in a place where you can deliver every, every few weeks, that's a good place to be. But most places are not like that. There will be months and months and months. Three months, let's say, would be on average. Um, that's what I would expect to happen in most places. And of course, at that point, um, the business side uh, is going to come to you and say, look, our competitors are releasing a lot more often. They release on a daily basis. Why can't we do that? So that's where this this desire to to have a DevOps culture comes into play. So, of course, before we can do something, we need to be able to quantify what it means. So we've seen what the pillars are. What is the next step? So the next step would be to describe what is it that we're trying to accomplish. Do we want to release more often? Do we, we want to automate stuff? Do we want to... Maybe we want to automate our SDLC. Um, at the end of the day, it's I'm not going to say all about speed, but speed is actually very important. So how do we do this? So let's say that our main goal is to deliver more often, right? Our our business uh, is only capable of, of uh, releasing something to a production environment every three months. They come and say, well, actually, we want to release every two weeks. So once a sprint, let's say, at the end of the sprint, we want to release something which is a fair ask, right? And that's basically uh, part of the agile strategy as well, because you, you want to, you have a sprint, maybe a couple of weeks, and at the end of the sprint, once you've done your work, you want to be able to go to production and release what you've just built. But let's see how it works in the, in the real world, actually. So in the real world, things don't actually work that way, because what happens, the, um, the developers uh, write some code, they work on whatever tickets they've got, 
and they get to the end of the sprint and let's say through some magic uh, process they actually manage to complete everything in the sprint well what happens next when well, that's where the next team gets involved and that's the testing team now they they get their hands on the code and they start running tests now of course they do this after the development has finished so what happens now we are now in sprint two the testers are testing what happened in sprint one the developers are working on new work in sprint two and now a tester finds a bug what happens now is they go back to the developer who wrote that code and say look look mate you've got an issue in this thing so this dev now has to stop what they're doing and try to get back into the flow and try and remember what they were doing who knows two three eight days ago because remember most sprints are two weeks so it could be 10 days ago most people won't remember anything obviously there's only so much information you can hold into your brain at any point in time um, so that leads to delays now they have to go back remind themselves what uh, happened how things worked build um, a mental image of that thing and uh, try and fix the bug and while of course this new work because this this is new work was not actually part of the current sprint this is part of fixing problems created by the first sprint so you can see already you have some delays in here you know, some of your developers or maybe all of them will be out of out of the new sprint and back to the old one so this is the the standard way of, of throwing work over the fence from one team to another with no collaboration of course there are ways of solving this there's the um, shifting left of the testing process so you have your developers and your testers working together but that's another story and it doesn't really happen that often in my experience so if you know that you want to release at the end of a sprint what that means is you need to be sure that what you've done in one sprint is actually good enough to be released so how would you do that by having automated testing instead so you're no longer throwing your your uh, work over the fence at the end of the sprint no uh, you have tests instead and you might have uh, unit tests you might have uh, integration tests you might have end-to-end -end tests so a whole suite of tests that you need to have in order to go quickly now if you're familiar with the testing pyramid that says that uh, at the bottom you've got your unit tests so most of your tests should be unit tests and that's the, the reason for that is that um, the unit tests can actually be very quick so it, it's not uncommon to have thousands of unit tests which execute in seconds or maybe a minute or two at most uh, they're very quick right and i'm not going to go into details of what a unit test is we can talk about that in a different episode if there's an interest but that's the idea they don't they don't uh, talk to external systems they're very quick and you can run many many of them and the next layer is integration tests so let's let's say that you you've got maybe an api right um, the best way to test that is by actually calling the endpoints yourself uh, following some sort of user journeys so for, for example um, you might call an endpoint and request a token then you might use that token to call the next point which creates a user and then after you create a user you update their address and at the end of the day you do a get and you load the details of the user and make sure that change has actually happened so what you've done at this point you've used the real endpoint which went to a real database and if everything works you're fairly certain that what you've got there is actually working so that's a good way of testing things like apis and finally you have your end-to-end -end tests now these are ui tests they might be using a tool like selenium or maybe cypress um, they work with the ui and they follow a user journey um, switching pages uh, filling in boxes clicking buttons that kind of stuff and then asserting different things uh, are, are happening and this gives you the certainty that your ui actually works as well uh, you're supposed to have less of these because they take a long time to execute and 
I've seen places where they had many of these and all the tests would take about three days to run. And this is not a joke, three days and sometimes even more, if they were running at all. Um, and I've seen places where they didn't have any, absolutely none at all, which is most places really. So if you manage to get to this, this uh, Nirvana place where you've got enough tests at every level and they don't take too long to execute. So let's say that all your tests put together, integration, unit tests, end-to-end -end tests, all of them put together take a couple of hours. That is actually a very good place to be in because what happens now, what you can do now is you can write a process, right? You can use, you can use something like Azure DevOps, for example, or any other tool really, um, to automate the execution of these things. So how would it go? You write some code, you merge it in, um, you run your unit tests at that point um, because they don't need anything else. They can just run on, on the code that you've got. If everything is green and all your tests have passed, then you release to a testing environment. And that's where you execute your, your integration tests and your end-to-end -end tests because you need an actual environment to run. Uh, of course, there are other ways of doing that, but let's not get into too many details. Point is, let's say you release to a test environment, you run your test, everything is green, everything is good. So at that point, if you have enough tests and you're happy with the coverage, you could say that, yep, yeah, I'm happy, I'm gonna go now to the next environment, which might be UAT. You might be executing your uh, your tests again at that point. So that means your integration and your end-to-end -end tests. And if everything is still green, then you go to production. So you could actually automate all this without any manual intervention. That's part of um, that's part of a DevOps system automation, basically, which leads to to speed. And of course, this isn't the only thing. Now, once you go to production, you might discover that actually you've introduced a problem. Let's say all the traffic on a specific area has dropped by ninety percent, and that's because you have a problem somewhere. So you might have some um, some things which keep an eye on these things. And if you notice something out of the ordinary, you can revert back to the previous build and have the system up and running very quickly. Uh, without affecting too many people. But again, this is automated. So we're now back to the automation pillar, basically. Um, and the next stage is, okay, you've done this, uh, you've got your um, your system in place, you've got, maybe you have a way to self-heal your system as well, which again is automatic, part of the same automation pillar. And then you start doing other things. So that, that's basically how it works with DevOps. You do, you do small things at a time and don't try to bite more than you can chew because if you haven't done, if your DevOps process does not exist, or if your DevOps process is not mature, that means you have to learn how to do it. And learning this kind of stuff does not happen quickly. So my advice would be start small, automate your SDLC, make sure you can get to production quickly, make sure you've got your automated tools, make sure that anything manual that you need to do on a regular basis, make sure you automate that. You do not want your people to do anything manually if you can avoid it. It's, it's better if you write a tool and that does that manual work. That's also part of, of DevOps. And then the DevOps culture, which becomes, okay, once you've done all these things, now you share what you've learned with other teams. Say, look, we've done this. You want to use it? Take our example. Here are our pipelines. Here's how we do it. We're going to give you some help maybe. And you help them as well to become better because that helps the business. What is our goal, well, our goal when we work somewhere? Well, our goal is to make that business run really, really well. It, go, it, it transcends our just one team. It basically means that we have to now think what is the best thing to do for this business. And it may be that actually I shouldn't be working on a specific thing on my, um, in my backlog. Maybe I should be working on something else because that provides more business to the value, to the, to the team, sorry. Or maybe 
it unlocks something else for another team and that speeds them up, which again is a benefit to the business. So that's kind of how I think we need to think about things. Whatever benefits, share what we learn and break down the silos. Talk to people. You do not want to have a software developer silo. You do not want to have a tester silo. No, you want these people to talk to each other. You want your testers to work together with your developers at the time of the writing of the code, not later because that leads to the process I was talking about in the beginning, that causes delays. And most companies do this. So you do not want to do this. No, you want to shift that work left and you want to automate as much of, as many of the tests as you can. If you do these things, I think you are on a good path. So you need to be able to identify what problems you're trying to solve and kind of work your way backwards. So you, you've just seen how we went from, I want to deliver more often we've gone backwards to, well, we need to have uh, tests, we, we can't have manual testing, and we went back and it means we need to have end-to-end -end tests, and we need, to, we need to have end-to-end -end tests, and we need to have integration tests, and we need to have unit tests, and that's and you work backwards from there until you get to the point where you are right now. And that gives you a clear path of what you wanna do. And of course, being able to articulate uh, what you're doing to achieve this DevOps journey is what builds up um, support from the business side as well, because now they say you have actually a, a, a very good handle on what that means. The business doesn't know what DevOps means. They will, someone will probably hear the word somewhere, will read the word somewhere, and say, oh, our computer is doing DevOps, we do the same thing. But they don't, they don't actually know what it means. So it's down to us to explain what, look, this is what it means. And these are the benefits if we do this. And at every point, in order to solve an issue, we will have to solve a host of other things. Well, some network issues and some cloud issues, some communication issues, um, might need to change the way the code is written, all this kind of stuff will need to happen. But once people understand what you're trying to achieve, this will be a lot easier to sell and it can actually improve the life of every software developer in that team or company. So that's basically how I'm looking, how I'm looking at DevOps. Learn as much as you can, read as much as you can. Do not believe everything you read because a lot of companies will say they do things when they don't actually do them. That has happened. I've actually been on DevOps courses where uh, examples were given of specific companies which I knew they were not correct because they even that company themselves said they were not doing things that way. So always, you know, when you look at things, if you think something, something looks too good to be true, you're probably correct. Um, no, instead focus on things that you can achieve and there's always something we can do in every company regardless of how many restrictions there are. Small things here and there, you can always improve something. So that's how I would start. Small improvements, but consistent improvements. Every week, every sprint, you're improving something. And if you do that, eventually you will be in a very good place. So that's kind of how I'm looking at this. I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping this is useful to someone and I'd be curious to see if there are any comments or any questions. If I need to dive, um, to dive a bit deeper into certain subjects, please let me know. Um, this will be on, on YouTube and on different um, podcast platforms as usual. And um, I read all the comments and answer everything, questions, comments, whatever. If you think I'm wrong with something, please say so. And uh, yeah, have a nice evening and thank you very much for your time.